As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of aging healthfully, PQQ, glutathione, and alpha-lipoic acid. PQQ helps support your heart and brain function and promotes robust cellular energy production. Glutathione supports proper cellular detoxification and healthy immune function, and alpha-lipoic acid helps maintain your neural health and helps preserve optimal blood flow. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to neutralizing free radicals and protecting us from oxidative stress as we age. They're only available from healthcare practitioners, but they're available to you at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, much awaited during the week. I very much look forward to my opportunity to have a colloquy with my good colleague, Leila Mutin, in an effort to address your questions. Your questions come to us via radio program at AOL.com. Leila, of course, is our nutritionist in residence. Uh, we practice together in Manhattan on a daily basis. How are you doing, Leila? Okay, Dr. Hoffman, how are you? Very well, thank you. So, uh, radio program at AOL.com is the destination for questions, and I'm happy to see that there's a mailbag uh, full of interesting questions. But before we get to questions, uh, I will share with you an article from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Now, I always much await uh, receiving my AM journal, ClinNutr, which is abbreviated. Yes. Yes. The AMGIL. AJCN. Right. AJCN. Because, you know, I kind of, I sit and I I mull through it and I always am looking for news you can use from a nutritional standpoint. Sometimes the studies are a little esoteric, a little technical and, you know, don't really have a lot of practical application. Uh, Like uh, how do you uh, assess the uh, nutritional status of uh, starving children in uh, Zambia. Okay, well, uh, maybe definitely of relevance to uh, doctors who do international medicine uh, and uh, provide aid to underdeveloped countries, but, you know, less of a message. I have an answer. A nutrition-focused physical exam is one thing, certainly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but, uh, this week, there, there were a lot of articles, and I'll share some of them on my um, uh, on my podcast uh, radio program uh, this weekend. I just you know pull out a lot of articles. Uh, by the way, just parenthetically, uh, I have some good news for our intelligent medicine listeners. Uh, hmm. After many years of trying, you, you you can't imagine how long we've tried. Uh, we have categories that we like to fill. You know, in terms of. Uh, health products. So, for example, we have a really excellent uh, garlic product, Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract. Uh, we've got several energy products. We've got the True Niogen. We've got uh, NT Factor. Uh, we have uh, a nitric oxide product, uh, Berkeley Life. 
but I've uh, and we have an olive oil product, which I, you know, olive oil is a real functional food. But I've been looking yes. high and low for a company that I can get behind for cocoa, high quality cocoa. Hmm. And we finally have found it, and they're going to be coming on as a sponsor. And I, I, I'm I'm test driving their products. They sent me samples, and they're really wow. excellent. And they're uh, there's some no sugar options, and there are some options that contain a little bit of sweetener, but very low carbohydrate and very high flavanol content. You know, the cocoa Terrific. flavanol is so beneficial for brain and heart. And uh, so uh, we're going to be rolling that out, uh, I think, next month. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, that, that's exciting news. But coming back to the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, uh, I have an article here in front of me. Bear with me because the title's a little technical. Matched whole grain wheat and refined wheat milled products do not differ in glycemic response or gastric emptying in a randomized crossover trial. So, so the background on this is that, you know, we often hear eat whole grains, eat whole wheat products. And yes. the, the big food has been very quick to accommodate us so that we can now get uh, whole grain uh, cocoa puffs, you know, whole grain, you know, whole grain uh, cocoa puffs. Oh my! <laughs> whole, we could whole grain Cheerios, you know, made with whole grains. Uh, yes. You know, all these things, and you know, you with your background in uh, at the Atkins Center, uh, where yes. you work with the late Dr. Robert Atkins, you recognize that this is a hype. That uh, the sure. the idea that putting a little bit of whole grain content into a cereal does not make it wholesome, and then oh, some people say, "Well, I I had I had a whole grain bagel for breakfast. That that's constitute that's a healthy choice as opposed to a white bagel. You know, it's like it's a dark bagel. You know, right? So I, this is what this speaks to, and I, I'm going to share with you the introduction, uh, mm -hmm. which states it very nicely. Uh, current dietary recommendations call for increased consumption of whole grain foods, stating that over half of one's overall grain intake should come from whole grains. That's the dietary guidelines for Americans as of 2020, the new iteration. Uh, they say um, uh, consumption of whole grain compared with refined grain foods is associated with lower glycemic response and decreased risk of, of type 2 diabetes. That's what they say. So huh. blah, 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 blah. They go on and on. So then they tested out the proposition. And here's what they, they, they looked at cracked wheat, which is bulgur wheat. They looked at semolina. Yeah. They looked at whole grain wheat flour. They looked at refined wheat flour, which is white flour. Uh, mm -hmm. they looked at, uh, reconstituted coarse bran and reconstituted fine bran. And, uh, essentially what they found is it doesn't make a difference doesn't make a difference in terms of what's called the area <sighs> under the curve, which is the amount that it increases blood sugar. Uh, and I'll, I'll run down some of the comparisons. Whole wheat flour yeah. compared with refined wheat flour. No differences were found for the area under the curve and peak glucose value. So then they compared wow. cracked wheat with whole wheat flour. Now, cracked wheat is bulgur wheat. So you'd think it's not as fine particle size. Well, yeah. uh, they say that uh, cracked porridge had a little bit of a lower area under the curve, but it wasn't that dramatically different. So, you know, you can have wheat, uh, don't have flour. You know, maybe have bulgur wheat. Have t 
tabbouleh. You know what tabbouleh is, right? Tabbouleh, yes. Yeah, tabbouleh, uh, Middle Eastern mm-hmm. food, you know, made with, uh, what do you make it with? You make it with a little bit that, of cilantro or something or parsley. So, oh, well, it's actually parsley. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's uh, a lot more herb going on there. But anyway. and, and then there's the semolina, which is highly touted. You see semolina, you think you're getting some added value. Uh, semolina compared with refined wheat flour. No differences in area under the curve. Yeah. So uh, what they conclude here is that um, uh, the present results show there, there was minimal to no effect of whole grain wheat on glycemic response or importantly, appetitive response. So, you know, this whole notion that, oh, it's more filling because it's got more fiber. Uh, the problem is even, you know, and I notice this, you know, sometimes I get maybe once a month, I just get a craving for oatmeal. You know, maybe I'm taking a long bike ride. It's just like, it seems sure. like a good idea. And I have right. a hearty bowl of oatmeal. Right. right. But what I notice is that it doesn't hold me for very long. It Within an hour and a half, I'm hungry again. As opposed yes. to, you know, eggs with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, natural sausage or something like that. It kind of it sticks to your ribs. Yeah. Those foods stick to your ribs yeah. and, and have a better uh, response in terms of um, appetite suppression later in the day. So anyway, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, and, and by the way, this is something that you've been really good on because, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly, you know, you yeah. see so many. Tell me your experience is a lot of people think it's more virtuous to have whole grains. They, you know, they're, they're proud oh, of that. Yes, right? yes. Well, I, you know, for example, I'll quote a, a recent patient. I'm diabetic, so I eat my steel cut oatmeal for breakfast. I'm like, well, that's not a great idea. But why? But it's whole grain and there's a lot, there's fiber and well, that's, that's not enough. It's still going to have the same impact on your blood sugar and you're going to find yourself hungry, you know, an hour and a half, maybe two hours later. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's still too many carbohydrates. Right. Is really the bottom line. And, and it More perpetuates than, elevated and, insulin, which is the culprit in metabolic syndrome. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Yep. And or, or or a patient will say, well, I'm trying to lose weight, so I'm concentrating on whole grains. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose any weight right. eating whole grains. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose any weight eating grains, mm-hmm. period, or that much. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So, you know, we, we literally eliminate the one food group, grains, which includes whole grains, right. refined grains, all of the above, and voila, weight loss mm-hmm. continues, blood sugar gets better. It's it's the food group with the most right. carbohydrate. And and it's and it's very paleo. Mm-hmm. And not to say mm-hmm. that our uh, our paleo ancestors uh, did not have carbohydrates. They did, but they had it from roots and berries. Yes. And sometimes mm-hmm. from honey, if they got lucky. Uh, there's yeah. one tribe in in um, Africa, uh, which has a very low rate of obesity. But in the in the bee season, uh, they get a very substantial double digit percentage of their calories from honey. Uh, yeah. Be, but they need it because they're on the verge of starvation. You know they, that yes. that is an essential source of. It's not just an add on. Like, oh, I had a big meal. Now I'm going to have a dessert. You know. Right. Um, it it is sustenance for them. So anyway, yeah, which is completely different from the American diet. No, we don't need the additional honey, but it's honey. It's natural. Well, it's still sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's still sugar. Yeah. So I feel some vindication <clears throat> with the study that you're telling 
uh, us about from uh, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, that, you know, grains are grains, period, end of story. The fiber is not the superhero that people think it is, but the fiber will fill you, but the fiber won't impact your blood sugar, but the fiber will help. It's not enough. It doesn't do it the same yep. way that protein and fat achieve mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And you get a much better response eating an avocado or eating an avocado omelet or something like that. Right. And, yeah. you know, these days uh, when I'm making shakes, uh, I throw <laughs> like half an avocado in the shake. It really makes it nice and creamy. It's really nice. Oh, uh, yeah. I put in great. some uh, NT factor powder and uh, some colostrum powder and, you know, and just mm -hmm. some uh, other whatever healthy ingredients I have on hand. Um, you know, this morning for breakfast, yeah. I ate guacamole, you know, a few spoons of guacamole. I followed that with a mandarin. Mm -hmm. I was done. Yeah. The guacamole was extremely satisfying. Well, that's great. Well, and I like to make it with lots of cilantro. Yeah. Right. You, you, uh, you've attuned your body. So maybe mm -hmm. skip the, uh, you know, the avocado toast and just have the guacamole. You know, exactly. Skip avocado the chips. toast is such Hold a big the deal. Yep. It's on regular menus now in restaurants where it never was before. Avocado toast. Eat the avocado. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Let's get to questions, shall we? Uh, radio yes. program at AOL.com. I'll remind you as a destination for questions. Thank you for sending questions uh, this week. Uh, we always appreciate them. Uh, let's go. We've got an email from Carrie. Hi, can you comment on spermidine as an anti-aging supplement? I already take NAD. Should I add this one too, or does NAD do the same thing? So I took a look at PubMed for spermidine, and what I found was, was an abstract from Science from 2018, Spermidine and Health and Disease. So one such agent that they talk about here, spermidine, which is natural polyamine spermidine is what it's called, apparently in rodent models has some prominent cardioprotective, neuroprotective effects and stimulates anti-cancer immunosurveillance. Mm. And moreover, according to this, dietary polyamine spermidine uptake correlates with reduced cardiovascular and cancer-related mortality in human epidemiological studies. What spermidine can do, and that's why it's touted as an anti-aging supplement, is it preserves mitochondrial function, exhibits anti-inflammatory properties, prevents stem cell senescence. Mm-hmm. So, and mechanistically, it shares the molecular pathways engaged by other caloric restriction mimetics. So, so things so like the sirtuin-like sir, sir compounds, like exactly. uh, resveratrol and so with, on. Yeah. With autophagy. And mm -hmm. I think that's its claim. The spermidine supplement makers mm -hmm. are claiming that it can bring on or spur autophagy. Mm-hmm. Hey, autophagy happens when you've been fasting 12 hours. It peaks at 12 hours. So a minimum fast of 12 hours is the way to go. Right. And we, I think we have so, a question on intermittent fasting that we'll uh, get to uh, a little later. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So so aspermidine, is, it, it doesn't sound that appetizing. It's actually named after sperm because there's yes. a high content of sperm. 
spermidine in sperm, but that's not the only source in nature. It's also found in various plant uh, sources. Mm -hmm. And so it's not uniquely like uh, an animal uh, product. And uh, it, it, it is available as a supplement, I guess. And the question is, should you, you know, is it redundant of, of uh, nicotinamide riboside or NAD? <laughs> uh, the answer is, I think it, it probably is complementary, but there's so many things that are complementary. I mean, uh, we just talked to uh, Garth Nicholson about uh, his research on NT factor, which demonstrably helps the mitochondria, but in a different way than uh, true niogen, which is a building block for uh, NAD. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's coenzyme Q10. And then there are things like uh, PQQ. And then there are things that help with cellular metabolism like carnitine or ribose. You know, and yes. all of these may help with uh, energy support. And then there's, you know, magnesium and various cofactors for the Krebs cycle, the B vitamins, and on and on it goes. So I, I don't think there's one unique supplement that, you know, it's like uh, one size fits all. Uh, exactly. It will, it's, it's not spermidine for autophagy and nothing else. Right. That, that's just wrong. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, you know, uh, I, it's not I, something that I take. Uh, it's something that's definitely on my radar screen, and it may be yeah. part of a comprehensive program. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. It's a little bit okay. of a uh, stepsister to other more popular supplements, but it's it's definitely got uh, potential, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Something it, to watch. Yeah. Something to watch. Carrie, thank you for that thoughtful question, and we will keep an eye on it. We will keep an eye on it. So, do you want to allow one of okay. our sponsors an opportunity to share a important message with our listeners? Should we do it now? Let's yeah. do it. All right. Just because a label states that an ingredient is present in the supplement you're taking doesn't mean you're obtaining its full benefit. The key is bioavailability, how much is absorbed and gets to where it's needed. That's why I recommend and use Future Farm Botanicals. Future Farm sources the most potent, highest quality ingredients and then uses liposomal technology to assure optimal uptake. All Future Farm formulas are custom organic blends crafted from the finest raw ingredients by certified chemists and herbalists. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while, addressing a variety of issues, from inflammation to immune support. I use their supplements, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you, listeners of Intelligent Medicine. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuturephafm, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. All Future Farm products are all natural, science-based, and work without adverse side effects. MyFutureFarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource for you. And now back to our questions. What's next, Layla? Actually, we have a, a, a comment here from Michael, mm -hmm. and who's, who's sent us questions in the past. And the last one was about this Dr. Cooper from Consumer Labs and his take on things. I want to read it to you, Dr. Hoffman, sure. mm -hmm. uh, because he believes that there's a lot of confusion at Consumer Labs. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I subscribe to Dr. Hoffman's, uh, to Dr. Cooper's, sorry, Consumer Lab reports. When he discusses the uses, side effects, benefits of supplements, he is invariably, he invariably refers to studies that appear to contradict what most integrative medical doctors say about the supplement. For example, while he does agree that vitamin D is beneficial, 
he notes that benefits only occur for people who are severely deficient and that it may be dangerous mm-hmm. if you're taking more than you should because it may increase risk of fractures. Anyway, another recent example, he cites a study that says too much vitamin C can actually make COVID worse. Hmm. What? Yeah. All right. That yeah. I call that negligent. Yeah. I call I, that hurtful. I, I don't think that there's credence to the vitamin C story. No. Uh, I, there is no. a, you know, look, uh, vitamin D is a fat soluble nutrient. Uh, it's got lots and lots of benefits. I think that there are some studies that suggest that in excess, in certain circumstances, it can have deleterious effects, but the threshold for toxicity of vitamin D is very high. And we're not yes. seeing downsides with people even taking astronomical doses for the most part, but we monitor it. And we want to make sure that people know. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, here's a little insight on Consumer Lab. You know, Consumer Lab, you know, it does a very comprehensive job of reporting on nutrients, and you can get a lot of information from them. Uh, but I actually uh, had uh, an opportunity to talk to somebody who's in the, the supplement industry. He, he runs a, a prominent company, and uh, he was describing how it works. And in order to get your products evaluated by Consumer Lab, you have to pay uh, several thousand dollars. Well, the uh, reason they say is because it's going to, it, it supports their uh, research and it supports their testing, which is expensive when they want to test supplements to see if the supplements have, uh, are adulterated or if they have toxins or if they meet the label claim. In other words, if it says that there's 500 milligrams of something and it really is only like 180, uh, they test for that. Um, so what he said, and I said, Okay, so it's pay to play. And he says, yes, in a sense, it is pay to play. And, you know, he thought it was in the interest of his company to have his products evaluated by consumer uh, labs. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to be confused confused with consumer reports, which is always negative on supplements. Forget them. Oh, yes. But, uh, you know, I take some of the statements of consumer labs with a grain of salt. Also, there's an inherent bias when... uh, the supplement companies that are tested and rated are supplement companies that want to play. And then there may be others who make very fine supplements who just decide, I don't want to play that game. You know, also they don't want to expose themselves to the risk that some, some test will be misinterpreted. And I've seen this is that some very fine supplement companies uh, get a knock from consumer labs because of some infinitesimal content of something like lead or, or something like that. That is way below the threshold uh, that's established by the FDA, uh, and that exactly. is meaningless. Essentially, you, find, you yeah. would comp- to, to make an analogy, you would find the same amount of of lead in your organic salad. Yeah, it's it's, also, it's in the soil. Actually, yeah. a better a better example is arsenic. Arsenic, which is arsenic. You know, people go, oh my god, you know, arsenic and old lace, you know, it's like uh, poison. Yeah, but arsenic is ubiquitous in the environment. Even it is not even yes. necessarily an industrial contaminant. It's in the soil, and there are certain it plants is. and certain herbs that tend to pull arsenic out of the soil, and it's very hard to have zero arsenic content. Exactly. And they might point that out, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like brown sun. rice, like mm-hmm. sunflowers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pull that out. I think oranges too. And incidentally, so. speaking of sunflowers, there's a crisis in the supplement industry because a lot of people don't like soy uh, in supplements, and soy is a source for vitamin E, and it's a source, especially for lecithin. 
you know, when making yeah. roses. And, and so uh, people say, well, I don't want that soy rot. So the alternative is sunflower. Guess yes, where the majority sunflower of sunflower comes from? Where does it come yes, from? Yes, sunflower. It comes from, it comes from Ukraine. It comes from Ukraine. And there's oh. a, a huge uh, shortage and supply chain problem on sunflower. It's really hitting the industry. So these non-soy sources of vitamin E and lecithin are going to get strangled. Mm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, another thing about sunflower, it's interesting because people are moving towards that, as you say, especially for a lecithin source rather than soy, they're using sunflower. But sunflower does pull arsenic out of the soil. Okay. For example, my husband and I plant sunflowers Oh, nice. uh, at least along the perimeter of our fence. We love that. We love to see the beautiful blooms yeah. and so forth and so forth. But, but then we're very careful in our disposal of it. We throw it in the trash. We don't put it back in the compost oh, you because don't compost any plant. arsenic that may have been in the soil oh. is now pulled out. We don't want to put it back in. Interesting. But so what you, in effect, what you're doing is you're uh, using natural regenerative agriculture to pull the toxins yes. out of the soil. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, great. That's what we're doing. Right. And by the way, I was in uh, North Carolina this week and uh, I talked to, uh, I just ran into a, a farmer down there because they were having an herb fair. And uh, he was like one of these, like a, just a grizzled, uh, you know, older South Carolina veteran farmer. And uh, uh -huh. it is in his pickup truck, uh, there were samples of like a very interesting natural alternative to glyphosate. And uh, what what he he has demonstrated, and he's very uh, he's worked with scientists and soil and agronomists and soil experts, uh, and he's demonstrated that it is as effective as uh, Roundup uh, without the downsides, and in fact, it has a positive effect on regenerating the microbiome. One of the knocks on glyphosate is it kills everything and it kills the yes. beneficial bacteria in the soil. This product does not. And it's kind of a niche product, but he's trying to sell uh, farmers, you know, the ones who are more enlightened uh, on mm -hmm. the use of this. And he says it's ultimately it's going to save them money and it's going to like uh, increase productivity. And it was, it was very interesting. He's like on a real crusade to to uh, utilize uh, these natural alternatives. And I'm not going to mention the name That's of the wonderful. product because it's up to him to do the, the marketing and getting the approval and, and all that stuff. Yes. But eventually, you know, we may circle back and uh, put him on the air. I mean, he's an interesting wonderful. guy, very committed to natural uh, agriculture. So I also, you know, we had a question about neonicotinoids, which are the, yes. the, so the things that, that are the so-called natural pes uh, pesticides that kill insects, uh, but now may be responsible for, uh, um, uh, this uh, colony collapse uh, syndrome yes, among bees, bees because the bees and the are, neurological effects in people. Right. So with, yeah, he, so he said, I asked him, what do you think of the, the safety? And he says, well, it's a disaster for the environment, number one. And he says, you're going to see emerging research, which shows that it has implications for human health. He says, just wait, it's going to take a while for that information to, uh, yeah. to appear. But uh, these things, which supposedly have no impact whatsoever on mammalian systems like us, uh, mm -hmm. turn out to have negatives. And it's certainly, you know, it's a foregone conclusion. They have a negative effect on the environment because they eradicate insects, which are part of the, you know, the, the pollination uh, process. Part of our ecosystem. They're part of, uh, you know, uh, uh, the wasps uh, 
I mean, the bees, they pollinate and everything, but there are other things. You want certain wasps around. There are good wasps and the ones that are stinging and so forth because they manage the ecosystem also in the soil because that's where their nests are. That's where they hibernate oh, yeah. winter long. There's all kinds of insects that we need to leave alone. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So anyway, that, yeah. that's a little amplification on that. For that listener who had a question about neonicotinoids, which yeah. are cons- you know considered uh, preferable alternatives to uh, DDT and you know some of these banned pesticides, so anyway, um, you know a lot of these small farmers are because they're doing regenerative agriculture, and as more and more people are building their backyard gardens or their front yard gardens or their window boxes, whatever real estate or soil that they have available more and more people are learning because this monocrop culture yeah very know, energy intensive very energy intensive because all the, the fertilizers come from uh, pesticides and oh by the way a lot of them come from ukraine and russia you know so we're having major uh, price hikes you know like uh, fourfold fivefold in, in the cost of fertilizer we're destroying the the ecosystem the microbiome of the soil of earth Right. Did you read the Wall Street Journal article on uh, its uh, innovative approaches that will reduce dependency on fertilizer, which involve microbiome products, products that fix nitrogen from the air and then uh, enable nitrogen to be recycled into the soil? That's the natural process by which legumes have these little nodules in the root system that actually pull nitrogen uh, from the air and then regenerate it into the soil. I mean, these Fantastic. are, uh, you know, right now we do basically sort of strip mine agriculture. We just strip the nutrients out of the soil and then we go, okay, we can put it back, you know, we'll buy like fertilizer. But that, that is a major drain on our energy reserves it, and with, uh, it's chemotherapy agriculture and it's not <laughs> exactly, working. Exactly. It's yeah. not working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that you know, that we've got to invest in uh, systems sort of reduce our dependency on, you know, on uh, foreign imports and on oil uh, because petroleum derivatives are what drive the fertilizer industry. So anyway, yes. um, enough of that. That speed. <laughs> um, you know, we're, I don't know, not sure how we got off on that tangent, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> let's care? let's uh, look forward to part two. And in part two, what are we going to take on i was diagnosed with mgus okay monoclonal gammopathy of unspecified or undetermined source is that what mgus stands for significance significance okay okay mgus big problem let's address it more common than you think although you may never heard of it i'm dr ronald hoffman and this is the intelligent medicine podcast